Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Today I am joined by Carissa Montooth. So Carissa is a love coach and certified sixth generation energy healer. Carissa shows single women how to attract and date marriage-minded men with without self-sabotage, not with self-sabotage. That would definitely be a different kind of way. <laughs> that makes it a lot harder. Yeah, it certainly does. <laughs> And she helps her clients identify their blind spots in love, heal their subconscious blocks to love and navigate the dating world with grace and confidence. Now, as someone who last went on a first date 22 years ago, I'm totally fascinated by the dating world now. So I'm sure we'll be talking about this today, uh, but we're actually going to talk about something a little bit closer to home for Carissa, and that's her own marriage and family, and what it's like to be in an interracial marriage and to be raising a biracial daughter in 2021. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carissa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm so excited <laughs> to chat with you too. Uh, so I guess the reason that I invited you to be part of this is because um Growing up, I have never experienced the fact that an interracial marriage would be an issue. Like it just, mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me at all. And then I think I saw you post something about it probably about maybe five years ago. And it was really eye-opening for me that, you know, then we're going back to sort of 2016, 2017. But that in 2017, this was an issue. So, you know, if mm -hmm. we go back, was it 51 years ago? That it was the was it the Lovings versus the Loving versus the state of Virginia case. Yeah, you know, and that's when yes. it, it actually became legal to have an interracial marriage. Yes, uh, but that was fifty years ago. So right. for this to still be an issue now, I'm I'm blown away. It's wild. It's really wild, and I think we may we might have even connected um, because my husband and I did a. A live stream. We did a Facebook live last year yeah, that's on right. Loving Day yeah. talking about having an interracial marriage and what that was like for us. But yeah, it's wild. Even, you know, just last year thinking about that and, and some of the things that we've encountered and didn't expect, you know, especially not in, you know, 2020 or 2021. Mm. It's, it's just, it's kind of interesting. I think the other thing, you know, here, obviously in the States, we've got this, um, this heightened, um climate you know this heightened political climate of like divisiveness and with um the whole ascendancy of of trump and the way that the political landscape changed and and uh the way that systemic racism has been brought forward more as a an issue that more people are willing to like look at and deal mm. with i think that's also been something that has really brought it more to the forefront of people's minds you know yeah and but and i guess that's it that if you're not living in it I was, mm -hmm. I was just oblivious. So, yeah. <laughs> and well, I was oblivious really. It was kind of funny because when, when we got married, we kind of forgot we were a mixed race couple. We kind of forgot <laughs> we were an interracial couple. <laughs> and we had this moment where we went to um, the same pastor that my mother and her fiance at the time had gone to for like premarital counseling. Right. Mm. So we went to him for basically premarital counseling. And he was like, you know, it's interesting how your relationship is similar to your mother's relationship with her fiance. And I was like, hmm, is it because he's a musician and Sam's a musician? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I was like, is it because I'm more 
the spiritual person in the relationship and you know so is she and he's like no <laughs> and like, we guessed like three different things <laughs> before he was like no <laughs> and I was like oh is it because I'm black and he's white he's like bingo I was like, we got there oh, eventually <laughs> but it was like one of those things where you know there are times growing up in southern California most of the time it's not really an issue or mm. it doesn't seem like an issue. And then those times when it does become an issue, it really reminds us and it kind of is like, oh, right. There are people who think of this uh, differently. There are mm. people that don't expect this or there are people that have um, certain beliefs about this or something like that, you know, that, that we wouldn't have expected or, or been kind of prepared for <laughs> yeah and it's funny um my youngest daughter a couple of years ago she said oh you know at school this person thought I was and there's one girl in her class who is she's African and mm-hmm. um you know this person thought that I was this girl and I said oh okay she goes but I'm nothing like her and I said oh okay what's you know what differences can you see she goes well she wears skirts and I wear dresses and she wears this kind of shoes and I wear this and she's got short hair and I've got long hair and you know all of these things I was like "Mm, can you see any other differences between you and this other girl she's like no I think that's it I was like oh my daughter is so white she's (laughs) see-through And uh, and her friend is um, literally the I other end of the spectrum. I always say that about my husband. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. We're not unless we're um, you know two percent milk. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. when my daughter was going into kindergarten, her teacher asked her to draw a picture of her herself. You know, mm-hmm. so she drew a picture of herself, and she's my daughter's very extra. So she drew a picture of herself, and then she drew me and she drew my husband and she was like the sunshine and the grass and all these things yeah, perfect <laughs> and the teacher was like so you know who is this with you in the picture she's like this is me in the middle and this is my mommy and she is golden brown and this is my <laughs> daddy and he's pink <laughs> and the teacher was trying so hard not to laugh and she was like really my husband is pink too <laughs> And it was just like so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I describe it as wear gingham. I'm pink and white in the summer, blue and white in the winter, and green and white when I'm not well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we come from a colourful family in our house as well. <laughs> I, I think it's really beautiful sometimes just seeing the way that kids see those things and describe those things to each other. I yeah. just think it's like... You know, every anytime you get to see it through their eyes, it really gives you a different perspective. It really you know? does, and it's really lovely, isn't it, to see that? And it is just the innocence of children. And yeah, has your daughter kept that innocence? Um, like in terms, do you mean like in terms of race and yeah. seeing things like that? Yeah, I think for the most part, she has. You know, um, she understands now which is always a difficult thing. I think as an African-American parent, as a black parent, there's always a point where you're thinking um, out uh, where you're wondering, like at what point you should start talking about racism. Mm. You know, you're wondering like at what point you should introduce that. Um, And, you know, if, if you're, it's a little bit different in my situation because my daughter is so her, her coloring is so light. She's so Mm. fair skinned that people would just assume that she was white yeah. most of the time if they didn't see me. Yeah, just with an amazing tan. So, yeah, so it's a different conversation, I think, than the conversation where you're preparing, you know, uh, your black son 
how to respond to police officers pulling him over or those kinds of things. It's yeah. a different conversation, but it's still the conversation of like people knowing this about you that might change the way that they respond to you mm -hmm. that might influence the way that they respond to you. It's still having that conversation. And how do you have that conversation in a way that's like um, really preserving their own um, sense of self and their own self-esteem and their understanding that just because there are, are going to be people who judge them in this way doesn't have anything to do with them and yeah. their actual worth as a person, yeah. you know, their value and that, that those are the things that matter, but still that they need to be aware of these other things. Mm. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's really hard. And I was having a similar conversation with my children yesterday around some of those stereotypes that come with it. And, they were sort of just really blown away and it is it is totally different it is uh, but I was saying you know I'm from I'm from the UK and so there's kind of this joke and stereotype that uh, people from England are the great unwashed and don't bathe and that kind of thing and my kids are going well that's just stupid yes it is but that's how stereotypes <laughs> and that's how racism works it's not based on reality it's just based you know they go but why would they say that I was like why yeah. would they do that? Yeah. That's the same thing that my, that was my daughter's response when we were talking about um, racism in the United States. Mm. You know, that was her response too, was like, but why would people treat other people differently yeah. just because their skin was a different color? That's stupid. Like, yeah. that is just, she's like, that's stupid and mean. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's both of those things. It you is. Know? You're right. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. And it is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's hard when, as adults, you're going, "Yep, honey, you're right. You're yep, spot on. You're right." I I There's don't know what to say. I to have that. nothing to add to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So going back, can you tell me about meeting your husband and what it was like? Um, yeah, <laughs> when you first got together. Oh yeah. So we were both raised in Long Beach, California, which is a very diverse uh, culturally. It's it's very diverse. Mm -hmm. You know and um, honestly, like, I don't really think it occurred to either of us, <laughs> you know, to that neither of us thought like we were thought of it like I'm dating outside of my race. Neither yeah. of us really thought of it like that, you know, um, and our family members weren't like that, you know, so we didn't really, we, neither of us had anyone in our family that was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because yeah. this might be a thing for you. You know, it might be an issue. You didn't have to come um, out to your family. <laughs> yeah. We, we didn't have to have big thing kind of like so I'm dating oh that's nice you know yeah. <laughs> this is so I'm dating oh that's nice you know um but we met actually in high school well, I was in high school he was in college um we met at a sandwich shop that we both worked at and when we actually met I didn't really like him initially <laughs> because I thought he was very like uptight <laughs> because he was a manager you know I had just started working there and he wanted me to prepare the salads in this particular way and I was I think a bit too free spirited about it. So he made me go back and, <laughs> you know, redo all of these salads. And I just thought, wow, he's really a stickler for like organization. You know, it's um, all going to be pooped out anyway. Does it really matter if the egg's this way or this way? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it was like, no, 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 no. It's got to it be. It matters. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it is precise, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's really like a, a a quality that I've grown to have a lot of respect for because we you can't both just wing it all the time yeah. <laughs> you know 
Is that you're either <laughs> so it's a, nice to have that you're balance. either a putter or a left? You know, you either leave, put it somewhere or you leave it somewhere. I'm definitely the left it person in our relationship. My husband's definitely the putter. <laughs> the so, put it yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. I love that as a way of describing it. I'll have mm. to remember that. But um, eventually, we just ended up. Um, it was kind of he was going through a breakup, and so a friend of mine. Um, her name was Heather. Heather and I started spending a lot of time with Sam to kind of like help him through his breakup and just cheer him up and kind of like make him get out and do things. Yeah. You know, and um, then she started dating someone. So she was just like, I'm gone. I'm spending all this time with this guy that I'm super interested in. And he and I had been so used to just going out as friends doing things that it was kind of like, then we just started dating. And then it was just a really smooth, natural kind of transition from friendship into an attraction and, and things just went from there. And, um, yeah, so it was very sweet. And you know, what was funny was, um, I say that nobody had any (laughs) like pushback and there wasn't pushback, but my, my grandfather did note, (laughs) 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 he did bring it to my attention, (laughs) not in a negative way. (laughs) Just have you noticed? Exactly. It was more like that. It was kind of funny because he said, um, he kind of pulled me aside and he's like, um, so you and, and Sam are serious, are you? And I was like, yeah, we are. And he said, um, you know, your Aunt Janine married a white man. And I was like, yes, I know that. <laughs> he's been my uncle for how many years now? I, I know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah. But I appreciate the reminder. <laughs> and then that was kind of all that he said about it. You know, so I was like, okay, good talk, granddad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we just kind of like went on from there. But um, you know, I've never had any um I've never had for a minute the feeling in his family that it was some kind of a negative issue with them or anything like mm. that, you know. Um, they've always been um, you know, when we got married they were so welcoming and so wonderful. It was just like, you know, it was just great. You know? Um, And with my family towards Sam, there was a period of time where we broke up. We met, we were together for about three years and then we broke up when I was 21 and then we were apart for three years and then we got back together. And when we were apart, my dad was just always like, are you sure you and Sam can't get back together? I really, really liked him. You know, he's a great guy. He's like a solid guy, you know, and now you're just going out with all these different guys and I don't know where, who you're with. And he was just very like, are you sure you guys can't patch it up? You know, do you want me to talk to him? I'm uh, like, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's all good. You know, if it's meant to happen, okay. we'll get back together. I promise. Yeah. yeah, I had to talk my dad through my breakup with Sam, you know, because it was very difficult for him. Very tricky on the family, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very hard on him. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, and during that time, I, I remember um, I spent some time with Sam's sister. We we and I, when I went to their house, um, his his sister, Michelle, was there and also his younger siblings were there and he had moved out by then. And when. I saw his mom. She just hugged me for so long. <laughs> she was just like, I really, really miss you. And then she goes, you know, when you two broke up, you know, the youngest siblings, she was, so they cried for a week and a half. And I was like, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> just know? out of interest, was Sam as upset? Or was it just the siblings? <laughs> so. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, it was always, um, 
the families were never, it was never like a thing. When we would run into things, it would be, um, <laughs> we had a, <laughs> my grandmother on my mother's side was from a very small town in Ohio called Hillsborough. And Hillsborough is like, um, it's, it's not old in the sense of, you know, European towns where mm. you can trace things back five, six, seven hundred years, right? Yeah. But it's old in terms of our history, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like a couple hundred years old, yeah. right? So like generations of my family are buried there because when they escaped from uh, Kentucky, when they escaped over the Ohio River out of slavery, they settled in Ripley, Ohio, and then they went up to Hillsborough, Ohio. So I have literally like six generations of my family are buried there. And in a lot of ways, it's still a segregated town just because people are just not, um, they still live where their parents live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so those things were kind of striking because we would go there and I would look at the cemetery and you could tell the side that was the African-American side and the side that was the white side. You, you could just tell from the way that the stones were, you know, the, the grandeur and the size and all of those kinds of things. Um, but also what was unusual and what we weren't really expecting was that we would be such a sensation. Uh. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> we did not expect to draw so much attention. <laughs> so what we would see would be like people's heads would stay still, but their eyes would follow us when we would walk in stores or things like Sorry, that. They're not noticing that we're watching because our heads are still. It's just our creepy eyes that yeah, are following them just... around the room. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We would get the creepy eyes following us around thing, which we didn't see, you know, yeah. like it's so rare to see that in Southern California that people are even, um, you know, take it as a, a, an, an anomaly, you mm. know, nobody really notices here. So when we go places like that, we would notice because of the response to us being so different, you know, and we had this uh, situation where Sam was outside of my grandma's house sitting in the car making a phone call because that's how he could get reception yeah and my grandmother had relatives across the street and they were like I could tell you could tell that they were looking out the window thinking who is this white guy in front of Betty's house you know in a car like <laughs> yeah. is she okay <laughs> you know <laughs> so my, my cousin are who was and... across the street you know books it out of her house and just running across the street basically like going as fast as she can and sam thinking oh this is family coming to like greet us gets <laughs> out of the car <laughs> and tries to like connect to her and she's trying to get past him to the door because she's like who is this white stranger that's you know <laughs> i need to go see about you know betty yeah so she gets to the door and he they get to the door at the same time oh and I can hear the conversation from the other side because I'm inside. And she says, um, well, you know, I, I need to see about Betty. And he says, well, hi, you know, I'm Sam. You know, who are you? And she says, well, I'm Ken. And he says, well, so am I. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> like, how can that be? You know, so we've had interesting situations kind of on both sides <laughs> with some of those things, yeah. you know, where... <laughs> How did we you haven't like, expected those? How was that for your grandma who or grandmother who, you know, then had all of these people talking about what was that like for her? Well, my grandmother always loved to um defy expectations. Ah, nice. So she was just tickled. She yeah. was just she thought it was the funniest thing ever, you know. And um 
yeah she loved she she loved even just hearing me tell that story to other people she would laugh about it every time (laughs) nice that's it if we're gonna be the talk of the town we're gonna make the most of it so exactly yeah Mm. and it's that kind of a town where you know I think for so long black people and white people there had intermarried for a long time Mm. So even though it's kind of segregated still, everyone's sort of related by marriage. Yeah. Even if they are, whether they're, you know, mixed race or whatever, it's like everyone's, it's that kind of a town. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of town that's so small. My dad told me the first time that I went there, when Sam and I weren't together, he's like, don't fall in love in Hillsborough, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Chances are someone's a cousin somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) They're related to you somehow. He's like, just... (laughs) don't fall in love there like good advice (laughs) nice (laughs) so have you experienced anything that has been so that's kind of one I guess example of how it's been something that you hadn't been expecting or um how's it been for Sam um I think for the most part it's been at least what he shares with me is that people uh, just think he has an attractive wife. <laughs> I don't think that many people have said to him, you know, so your wife's black. Is she? <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't think many people have said that to him. If they have, he doesn't pass that on to me. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there was one point where we were in Huntington Beach, which is um, there's a very low population of other races. It's mostly white in Huntington Beach. Um, and we were there at one of, uh, at a theater there for a performance. I think that his dad was in musical theater there. And I don't remember exactly the show, but we were there. And I looked around and I realized I was the only black person in the entire room. And I said to Sam, <laughs> I said, I think I'm the, the um, oh, Actually, I actually this time I didn't notice that he noticed it before me. He's like, I think you're the only black person here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think so. I'm used to that feeling, though. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's more common for me. But um, I remember at one point saying to him after we got married, we've been married a couple of years um, and somebody noticed something or said something. And I said, you know, I, I wonder if you were expecting this, like if you were expecting or how well prepared you were for you know the the that our relationship was probably going to get some extra scrutiny or something like that and he just looked at me for a while like I was crazy (laughs) and then he goes what are you talking about I knew you were black (laughs) 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 and I was like okay (laughs) it was kind of like it's like yeah I knew you were black going into this like I figured at one point or another somebody might say something you know like that's not like I wasn't expecting that you know do you think though that knowing it and living it can be quite different so um you mentioned before about having to you you don't have a son but you know having to prepare a black son for if he's pulled Mm -hmm. over by a police officer Mm -hmm. I have it's not you know I my only reference point is American television so I happen to watch a Grey's Anatomy episode and then another hospital drama where they, it happened both in the same week kind of thing with, you know, going through the hands have to go on the steering wheel and, you know, all of that kind of thing and just... Looking straight ahead. That's it. Yes and, and no answers. Yeah. 
I am reaching for my ID. I do not have a weapon. All of those kinds of things. All of those kinds of things. And so I can I can see that on television, but I can't I can't imagine living that. So for you know for Sam, well yeah, I knew you were black. Yes, in theory you knew that, but what's that actually like when you're living through potential scrutiny or potential kind of like oh so you married a black woman (laughs) yeah like oh interesting yeah well i think that we've had situations um that were unexpected uh for him in terms of just like he had he um like the person's response was so outrageous that there was no way anybody could have maybe anticipated that (laughs) you know (laughs) like no matter what you know i remember we were at a restaurant once and there were these two old older white ladies um and when you think of like white haired yeah you know, like deaf like that generation right and um we were at one of those so we were sitting uh, just across the aisle very very small aisles from these two older white ladies and it was just you could not you couldn't fail to notice that they were really staring hard at us <laughs> I mean, like, it was very obvious. If they could have been closer to us, <laughs> you know, they would have. would have been pressed just, against you. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really odd. And I hadn't experienced anything like that before. But they were just really staring at us. And finally, um, you know, we we kind of giggled about it under our, uh, under our breath to each other because we just thought it was kind of funny. But finally, I just turned to them and I was like, hi. Good afternoon. <laughs> and they both went <laughs> and just like pretended that they were eating. And I just thought, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but it was kind of like he was really more struck by that than I was. He's like, I have never seen that. I've never seen anything like that. They yeah. were really staring hard at us. And I was like, yeah, that happens, you know. Um, but for him, he was just like, I have never seen anything like that before. I would have been going like have we got something like is there something in my teeth what what are they actually staring at to you know take a little while for that to you know work out what that was (laughs) yeah I know it's um sometimes I think everybody has that where they that um first feeling where you think it can't be because I'm black that can't be why they're staring at me Mm -hmm. you know I that a lot of a lot of black people and people just uh, people of color or, um, you know, anybody who is worried that they're being um, singled out for being different, they always wonder, is it really because I'm different or is it because um, of something else? That's it. Is my skirt right? tucked up in my underwear or something like that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So there's always that extra level of sort of like anxiety or concern of like, is this about this other thing which I have no control over, or is this a regular, just an interaction thing that people do when they're humaning with each other? Yeah, you know, um, and it, it's difficult really to kind of like strike a balance because in one situation you're not as safe, mm. you know, you're potentially not as safe, and so it's kind of like erring on the side of. You know, uh, I mean, like sometimes you can tell from context, right? Like, 
Did they drive up in a in a truck with a giant Trump flag on it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's a race thing. You know, maybe there's a possibility. It could be, you know, or um, you know, it's like you you always try to just give people the benefit of the doubt, but I think sometimes it's a little trickier than others. Have there any been ever been any experiences where you have experienced that negativity or you know or other people's anger or hostility about the fact that you are in a mixed marriage? Um, no, I I can't think of a time where somebody was um, like overtly hostile or violent yeah. toward us. You know, thank goodness I, we've never had that kind of an experience. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, we've been really fortunate in mm. that way flip side of that which is what I'm, I'm really hoping that you say yes to this but have you experienced anything where people have been overly positive about the fact that you are a visible mixed marriage um and you know yeah. the, that whole if you can see her you can be her so being out there and showing that actually it's it's about loving the person not the color of their skin Sure. I think that sometimes we have the situation, you know, our preference is that people just don't really, uh, unless it's loving day, yeah. that it's not an issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it, I have occasionally run across someone who's been like, you guys are so brave. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> that. that's not coming across how you feel like it's coming across, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, mostly it's, um, you know, People, if people, we know so many, so many interracial couples, you know, it's like funny that when we actually sit down and think about it, we're like, oh, right. That's an, that's a, an interracial marriage too. You know, it's like, we just, it's such They're a just natural, Lisa. we have so many friends or family members that are in those situations. Like, you know, Sam has three siblings and two of them are in interracial marriages or about to be, yeah. you know, one of them is, and the other one is going to be. You know, so really the the sister who is white, who is marrying a white person is like the anomaly. She's the odd one out. (laughs) (laughs) And really like it's similar on my side of the family where there's so there's been so much of, you know, people marrying for love and not worrying about racial things Mm. that, you know, everybody kind of on my side of the family looks really similar. (laughs) (laughs) after decades of doing that everybody kind of is this color or a little lighter yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know most most um at least on my mom's um with my mom and my aunt you know but yeah there's not been a lot I haven't experienced um somebody being violent or hostile towards us because mm. of it and part of it is because of where we live yeah I think if we lived in I've I have heard you know terrible stories about um, mixed race couples in part rural America who mm. have really experienced a lot of racism or hostility or um, even in more of the southern states um, you know you see that a lot more in those areas mm. than you do somewhere like Calif- on the coasts you know you don't see that that much where we in California where we live you know yeah. if you want more inland though you would see that if you went more, if you were still in California, but you went more inland to someplace like Bakersfield or, you know, um, closer to those parts of California, you'd see a lot more of that. Mm. And I guess what I was hoping is that it's just becoming more normal. And so it is 
it is less of a less of an issue. But um, whether people had, you know, who I still think some people are raised that, um, you know, hearing things like, I don't. This is I'm pulling this off a Facebook post that I saw recently. Um, hearing something like, I don't want coffee coloured grandchildren, so make sure you marry, you know, make sure you're marrying a white person. And I was just like, sure, what? <laughs> Yeah, okay. well, I mean, my my grandmother's relatives, I, I my grandmother has shared with me things that they've said um, that she remembers hearing like her great grandma say or her, you know, grandma things like you better brighten up that corner, which was code for like marry somebody lighter than you, you know, um, and they still had paper bag tests for some of the churches about whether if your skin was darker than the color of a paper bag, you couldn't join that church. And those were black churches. You oh, know? Wow. So there's like a history of colorism still in the United States, yeah. even of like, you know, lighter skinned, darker skinned, and making a difference between them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just interesting how you can kind of get it on both sides, which yeah. is, you know, <laughs> you know they're like growing up you know obviously there were white people who would have a problem with me being black and there were also black people who didn't think I was enough you weren't so black it's enough. kind of like yeah. you know you just get to a point where you just spend time with good people and that don't care about that <laughs> and and that's why I think that this was a surprise for me um because I live in an echo chamber you know I live with people who have similar kinds of thoughts and values that this was it just was a surprise that people would think this. and um, But it was, I guess, I was hopeful that if people who grow up hearing these kinds of things can see happy marriages regardless mm-hmm. of colours of skin, that it actually makes them think, well, actually, you know, I don't have to – I've fallen in love with this person. It doesn't matter what colour their skin is. I can just – I can have a happy relationship and find my pe- – you know, find my people as in yeah. find people who will accept us – because those yeah. people are out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a that the more that you see that, mm. that the the less you really think about it. Yeah, you know, I think that the more that, like, for example, you know, with Kamala Harris and her husband, you know, that's like they're a mixed race couple and they're nationally prominent, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Mm. You know, it's like a normal thing. Yeah. You know, um, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like when I, the only time I really notice it now is like if I'm bringing Katie into a group of new kids, you know, or if I'm picking her up a group who's never met me and she says, mommy, then someone will look and be like, that's your mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would happen <laughs> sometimes. But usually, you know, I think it's so, we know so many parents of other uh, kids in, at her school that are in interracial marriages. And it's like, I think it's just coming so common that it's like barely even worth remarking on for a lot of people, which is great. Yeah, you know, that it is, it's really good. And do you find that that, um, is that one of the blocks? So when you're working with people and you're trying to help them find love, is that ever mm-hmm. one of the blocks that they have to get get over and get through? Well, I I never. I should let me um, let me make sure I'm not lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> I try very hard <laughs> <laughs> to honor people's um, 
desires for what they want Mm. while also preparing them for the fact that the universe loves to throw curveballs and that (laughs) sometimes (laughs) what they're looking for might show up in a way that they weren't expecting and that how a person makes them feel is much more important than really anything else Mm. right it's like are they careful with your heart? Yeah. You know, that's what matters. Is someone careful with your heart? Mm. What is their, um, you know, do they have integrity? Do, are they an honest person? You know, and that kind of goes. Yeah, that can go for both ways. I've had definitely had black clients who have said, I'm not interested in dating anyone who's white. Mm. I also had black clients who have said, I'm, I for white men. Um, and I've had white clients who've said similar things. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing because sometimes people will just say that they have a preference for a certain aesthetic. Like mm. they'll say, I think that brown skin is really beautiful. And it's really hard to argue with someone's preference. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a lot of times what I try to just talk to people about is steering clear, of like fetishizing people about things like that. You know, it's not the idea of like, I need to date a black woman because I love black skin. Yeah. It's like, um, <laughs> you know, it's more a thing of like, I appreciate um, these qualities or these characteristics about different women or whatever mm. it is. You know, um, I think that when people can stay steer clear of, fetishizing people over specific um specific physical characteristics where it's like oh i can cross i got i got one of those and now i can cross them off my list like that kind of a thing bingo (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly you know um when their preference comes from like a deep appreciation for something you know um or i've seen i've seen men who grew up like white men who've grown up in um, mostly like black culture who are very deeply appreciative of the beauty of black women mm-hmm. and just really always just saw themselves marrying a black woman and did. Hmm. And I don't find, I don't see a problem with that or a problem with like um, a white woman marrying a black man, you know, like uh, I don't, if, if someone says like, this is what, this is who I've always dated, yeah. you know, this is who I'm attracted to. This is how, you know, because a lot of times our preferences for um, a particular physical aesthetic, you know, they were set by that first person we had a crush on yeah. in elementary school or something like that, mm. you know. And it's it's just really hard to argue about what someone, you know, thinks of their the thing that they're attracted to physically yeah. or what they're not attracted to. I don't so I never try to really talk people out of that. I just try to help them be aware of number one, the possibility that love might show up in a different package. Mm. The universe <laughs> has got an interesting sense of humor at times. Um, so before we finish up today, can I just ask, because I'm yeah, incredibly nosy, but it's been, like I said, it's been 22 years since I went on my first date. How has dating changed and, it's, you know, it's been a long time since you went on your first date with your husband as well. So how have you oh, found dating has changed? 
Okay, so dating has changed because there are a lot more ways to get rejected now. (laughs) (laughs) Super fun. Yeah, you're really selling it. (laughs) Right? Definitely date. No. (laughs) I'm not sure my husband's going to agree with that sentiment, so I think we're okay. (laughs) Well, the thing about it I think that's different now is that You know, the flip side of that is true. There are a lot more ways to connect now than there used to be. Mm. Um, I always tell my clients, you know, that are hesitant about dating online. Online dating is great, but if there there are fears or limiting beliefs or attachments to an ex or wounds or whatever that you have in your energy, that's gonna show if you're online anyway. Yeah. So it's really much better to heal those things and then whether you wanna date online or whether you just want to date in real life you're good either way but really it's about healing those things before you go into that environment you know um love yourself first before you start looking for it from somewhere else yes absolutely and also just like um having a really clear idea of what you want and and things like that because you know those things are so important it's funny like people get so fixated on the idea of online dating and they'll, they'll just be thinking, you know, well, I've got to date online. If I'm going to meet somebody, I've got to put myself out there, but I hate it. And it feels like a meat market, whatever. Mm. And I always just try to calm their anxieties and remind them that like people were meeting and falling in love and getting married a long time before the internet existed. And, you know, they still will yeah. and it'll be fine, you know, but um, really it's the whole thing about love is, is like, it's not really about making it happen. It's about making it welcome. Yeah. And we do that in our energy. And we do that by um, healing those wounds, healing the, those old fears, being aware of and clearing those limiting beliefs, things like um, beliefs and scarcity about like that there aren't enough partners for everyone or all of the good partners are taken yeah. or like those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, the belief that like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be alone forever. You know, mm. those kinds of things. And th- um, that's actually a belief that we have to make a choice. You know, I think there's what this. Be- I think there's this belief that if I don't do this, I'm going to be alone forever, and there's nothing worse than being alone forever. Actually, that's not the end of the world. Right. You know, it, you're be- it, I yeah, often think, you know, let's think about not- the fact. <laughs> yeah, let's think about the fact. Maybe you're better to be alone than be in a marriage that's really not good for you, or a relationship that's really not good for you. Absolutely, and I would even go further because I would say that, you know that's like a dichotomy, right? You can mm. either be alone or you can be in a bad marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm. And usually when people are thinking of like, then if they want to date, it's because they really want to be with someone. Yeah. So I, I really try to help them know that that desire that they have to be with someone is there for a reason, mm. you know, and that there's no such thing as a soulmate. There are actually hundreds of compatible people all over this iron earth that you could be great with, yeah. you know? So it's really more about, you know, it, it really is about clearing things out of your energy mm. and as old things that linger, you know, are the things that lead us to the self-sabotage. You mm. know, it's like, it's the reason why you, you agree to have dinner with the ex that's when things are starting to go great in your dating life. You know, it's like, I see that (laughs) it's those kinds of self-sabotaging things we do because we still have stuff in our energy that needs to heal. So Mm. get rid of that stuff. It's easy. People are like jumping out of the woodwork trying to date us. It's good to know. Um, not, you know, not that I'm planning on leaving my husband anytime soon, but just in case. <laughs> You're like, not... 
Wow. It's good to know that there's options out there. (laughs) He better really be on his A game. This is right. Yeah. Because I got options. (laughs) Mm. Before I was thinking, well, where do you even meet people? But now. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be glad I came into the office early to record this, I'm sure. (laughs) He's going to be like, great. Mm, Right. So glad you talked to that love coach. <laughs> Especially since he's the one who does all the editing for me. So. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, then I guess I should say, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope I didn't open a can of worms. Be on uh, your A game. That's <laughs> She's it. She's got options. Be on it, honey. Be on it. <laughs> um, and before we wrap up today, do you, have any, do you have any other tips or thoughts or anything else that you would like to share today? I would just like to really say to anyone who's wanting love in any way, you know, and to just be open and think about it as a chance to have fun, get to know someone and think about it in terms of like how a person, if a person shows you that they're capable with your heart, mm-hmm. like, let that be the thing that got you like, uh, um, and let everything else be really secondary, you know, mm-hmm. let, let it just be, let it just start as a fun way of getting to know someone new and being really present in that moment and just letting things grow organically from there. Yeah. I heard a really um, beautiful thing that I'm going to completely misquote, but it's something like people will show you their true colors. We need to believe mm-hmm. them. So, yes, believe them the first time. That's it. You You'll don't wait. Share to... yourself a lot of heartache. Save yeah. it a lot of heartache. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> also, true. you know, when people show you that they are going to be gentle with your heart or that they are mm-hmm. going, they do have similar values or that they are going to hold you in high esteem, believe them. Mm-hmm. Believe um, them. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes love is easy. Sometimes yeah. things work out. This, yeah. This, More yeah. often than not. Yeah. <laughs> And I do actually have one other question for you, if that's okay. If somebody is in a relationship and they are getting pushback from the people around them, because mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, because of, for whatever reason, do you mm-hmm. have any hints or tips for the people who are getting that pushback from their close family or friends for how yeah. they can respond to that? Absolutely. Um the thing about it is that the two people in the relationship need to really be united. They need to be a team. They need to be on the same page and they need to decide together how they're going to respond to those things. And they need to support each other. Um, a lot of times what will happen in that kind of situation is the person whose family it is will try to be like an intermediary. Mm. They'll be like, I don't want to take sides. No, no, no. I love everybody. But if the, if that relationship, when, when you have a commitment to each other, and you make that relationship your relationship, you have a responsibility to that person to protect them and to listen to them and to really value them and and understand their perspective and what they're going through. And instead of kind of enabling other people to feel like it's like, it's just two opinions, Mm. It's not two different opinions. It's not a both sides are right in that situation. It's the side of like one side uh, is attacking your partner. Yeah. And you need to be very firm about um, about saying that that's not okay. 
and having, you know, having those boundaries in place. And they, you have to have those conversations, uh, like, what will we do if this happens, blah, 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 because, um, it's like, it's the kind of thing where when it happens, the person who is being, um, kind of attacked will, if, if their partner is kind of trying to do a, both sides are right, or, you know, mm. kind of a thing, then that person feels so alone. They yeah. feel so alone because their partner is their, their support. That's yeah. their person, you know? So it, it's have your partner's back, you know, mm. it, it, it's, it's like the number one foundation thing. Uh, uh, without that, you don't have a relationship. Mm. You really don't. As soon as, um, one person decides that they're committed to something else more than the relationship, then that relationship doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Even if the other person just doesn't know that yet, mm. you know, it, two people have to be united in that. And I think, you know, because of the way that, you know, um, your experiences within California, it was, le- uh, it sounds as though you were less likely to see that as an issue with you and Sam being in um, that interracial marriage. Was it a conversation that you had before you got married? Um, we did have that conversation before we got married, but it actually came up as more of an issue in regards to other things related to like other family things mm. that were not related to race. Oh. So it was like, um, it, it did come up and and it took quite a long time for some kind of a conflict to come up like that. But when it did, it was a very difficult thing for us to navigate through. And because we had kind of an easy idyllic time with the family. Yeah. Like everyone was great. Everyone, everyone was loves so- us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so when that did come up, it was really a trying time for us, you know, mm. and it was really, um, it was such a great thing for us to actually go to counseling and bring someone else in because, you know, you can, you, you think, you know what you're going to do, or you think that you understand the other person's point of view, or you think that maybe they just don't understand mine, but it's really like, um, sometimes it's the kind of thing where you got, you have to tag in extra help so that they can, so everyone can understand everyone's viewpoint and get tools to move forward. You know, so we, we were taken kind of off guard because the race stuff wasn't an issue. We thought we were home free. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was not the case. (laughs) And, and I think that um, you can have that conversation beforehand, but when you're in the moment, it's all well and good having had that conversation, but it's that's in theory when it's actually in practice it can feel you know oh well this is what will happen and we'll have these firm boundaries and we'll do this but actually you love your partner and you love your mum or you know whoever that conflict is with so you can find yourself caught in the middle and you can yeah bringing in a counsellor doesn't mean that your you know your marriage is on the rocks and you know it's people shouldn't wait until their marriage is on the rocks to actually go to a marriage counsellor I no, you don't. Wait Usually, until when they do that, broken. they're not. No, that's it. You don't wait until yeah. your car's broken down on the side of the road to go and have your annual service, do you? Like, <laughs> Oil change. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's good to top these things up regularly. Not wait until disaster struck. 
Yeah. Well, and and you can get such a good perspective from a third party that's just wanting to see you both get where you want to be. Mm. You know, one of the most powerful things I think that our counselor said to us was, it's like you're both in the deep end drowning and you're each looking at the other end going, how come you're not saving me? Yeah. You know, you're each looking at the other one thinking that. Yeah. And there have been a few times where our marriage has been stressful. I thought that to myself, like, this is how we both feel, I'm sure, right now. Like, he's wanting the same thing from me that I want from him, but we're both really tapped out and we need to have, like, extra, give each other extra grace and a little extra compassion right now. Mm. And we've had those times from both parts of our family where we've had to be like, here is the boundary, you know, and this is unacceptable, Mm. you know. Um, But, yeah, your point about that, thinking about it in theory and actually experiencing it in the in the moment so different it's yeah. always different right because you're not expecting it at the time you realize oh this is that thing we talked about you've Five already years said ago. like eight wrong things yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah hold on a and minute while like, I quickly backpedal <laughs> yes you don't get to present this wonderful, you know, thing that you had planned to present. You're just like damage control. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like hold on, well, everyone's just... upset now. Yeah, that's it. If I keep digging, do you think I'll? Will I dig myself out of this hole? Or yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and just just because you brought up marriage counseling, I just there's just one more thing that I just want to add, and that is that for some people who have been to marriage counseling and gone, oh well, marriage counseling it didn't work. I didn't like it. It didn't work. You know. Um, just one thing I want to add is that, you know, sometimes when we buy a new pair of shoes, we get blisters. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we should stop wearing all shoes. It perhaps means mm-hmm. that actually, you know, what we're doing feels a little bit difficult at the moment and we might need to wear them in a little bit more. Or perhaps this mm-hmm. is not the right pair of shoes for us and perhaps we need a exactly. different pair of shoes. So sometimes it can feel a bit clunky or it can feel a bit awkward going and seeing a therapist either go you know what this isn't a good fit let's try a different therapist mm-hmm. but don't write off therapy altogether or hang if... in a little bit long exactly with that one yeah yeah we've had we definitely had um like uh, the <laughs> first therapist was fantastic you know and then we went to a therapist at a different part and at a different time in our marriage who was just woo i mean it just was not a good fit yeah <laughs> you know at all <laughs> and we were just like oh wow like okay, we're going to keep trying, right? You're like, yes, we'll just go find somebody someone else. Someone else, yeah. But I mean, yes, we'll find someone else for sure. I mean, yeah. she, I think because I am an energy healer and she had something to do with that world, Sam thought we should go to her and mm. she would be a good fit. And she was just so like out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't a good fit. So sometimes you can, you think, on paper, this person's perfect, mm. you know, and can make us think like, oh, well, then it must be us or it must be what the counseling's not for us or, yeah. and your point is really well taken that, yeah, you know, it's, it's sometimes just a matter of just switching, finding somebody else or yeah. sticking with it a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, we found someone else and she was great. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. You just got to, you got to find that good fit. Yeah. yeah. And I think what you said before relates to dating as well, that um, sometimes someone seems great on paper. And then mm. you meet them and think, but on paper, they're perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, on paper they are. And that's where that should have stayed. <laughs> yeah, because you date in real life. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> not on paper. Sadly, we're not doing this just on paper. <laughs> and I think that that 
the thing, the kind of thing where people start thinking of it as, um, you know, the, there's an, uh, the idea that you've invested so much time or energy in something that you can't really throw it all away now. So you yeah. have to continue. Yeah. It's kind of like people do that sometimes with dating and in relationships where they're just like, it's, they start dating someone and they're like, but they, but they seem so great. And they, you know, I remember there was a sex in the city episode where, um, one of the characters was dating someone who had this really obnoxious habit <laughs> of like scratching himself in public. And she was like, I don't understand why he's doing this. He went to Brown. Yeah, but you know, good on paper, right? Yeah, like, that's you only it. go so far. That's exactly it. That's it. Good on paper. Sadly, the things that get missed on that piece of paper can be just as important as what's what's written on it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time um, this morning, Carissa. I really appreciate it. And so you focus um, specifically on healing after breakups, manifesting love, dating tips, dating over 40, self-love practices to attract love and healthy, happy relationships. Did I miss anything off that amazing list? I don't think so. <laughs> Just the most important thing. I feel like that covers, that covers it. Um, I think that you are passionate about love and trying to help people find connection. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love love. Me too. It brings me such joy. I love love. And I I think that that's really come across today, that that is is what you're passionate about and what brings you joy and how you strive to, I guess, make meaningful connection in the world. So, and I really appreciate you sharing those experiences with us today. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's it's been so much fun chatting with you. It's been lovely chatting with you. Um, (laughs) All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.